God's word to us this resurrection morning is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See? I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Indra. Again, welcome to Redeemer. I'm from Augusta, Georgia, and um, there's something going on in Augusta right now. It's called the Masters, so it's a double holy week for me. It only comes around, you know, once every so often. Um, One of the things I love about Augusta is, I mean, by far, it's, it's a beautiful place. But if, if you ever get a chance to go, it's almost like somebody came and placed each blade of grass in its exact place. It's like perfect, like all the way up to the, the pine trees, like all, all the way. And uh, it's, it's almost like sin hasn't touched it, you know. Um, it's almost like a pristine in, environment. And one of the things that I love about the resurrection is that it gives you a picture of an existence that sin hasn't touched. That the kingdom of God is, is life as it should be. It's life with everything in place. It's life like the way that you want it, like the way that you dream it could be, without death, without the marring of all that we experience in this world, without abuse, without all the bad stuff. It's just gone, and you're in place as a human being. Now, that began in our text today. 2,000 years ago, what Indra just read, that, that's what Jesus brought into our existence. And so when we, we always pray before anyone gives a, a sermon or a message here at this church, and, and what we're doing in that moment is that we're asking God to help us imagine what that existence will be like and imagine what, what that is like to live in light of resurrection reality here in the present moment. And so let's uh, sit in silence for a moment and ask God to show up in that way, and then we'll talk about that text for a little bit. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I love uh, hearing the voices of your people. I love imagining an existence where there is no death, there is no sickness, there, there are no sad tears, there's only tears of joy. 
And I ask that you would break the clouds in each heart, mine included, in this room tonight or this morning and show us what that's like. Show us what that could be like as we live in light of that joy. Help us to re-examine what it is that we claim to believe all the time, that the gospel really does come to change us at all times. And so would you do that now in Christ's name? Amen. Um, my, my brother... Uh, was interviewing for a, a camp job once, and it was a Christian camp, and so the uh, questions, the interview questions were particularly Christian, and uh, the guy who was interviewing my brother was named Mr. Charles. He led the camp. Mr. Charles asked my brother, he said, do you know any scripture verses by heart? And my brother looked sad, and he's like, no, I don't. I don't. Well, I do know one. It's John three sixteen, and uh Mr. Charles like, well, let's hear it. And as my brother Brad was, was saying it, and he was saying it sort of in a sad way, he could tell that Mr. Charles was deeply affected by what he was saying, um, by the, the bare kernel of, and center of the gospel. So much so that my brother claims that that sort of reignited his heart to basically reexamine what he, he knew how to regurgitate from the head. And it began to change him from then on that what he had and what he had known for his whole life was actually uh, better than he thought. And it obviously had affected Mr. Charles more than it affected him. Now, one of the things that's very easy to do on uh, a Sunday like this, you know, when you hear the word resurrection, when you hear the word Christianity or gospel, your mind kind of just can immediately go on autopilot and just kind of cruise control and not examine what it is that we're actually claiming to believe in. And one of the reasons why Redeemer exists is, is because the gospel is constantly, we always want to say this, for Christians and non-Christians, the gospel is constantly changing us because God's always at work. It's constantly molding us into that future reality or away from it. And that's what's held before you today. Matthew has been teaching that what Jesus has brought into this world is a kingdom that has not been touched by sin by badness, by death. And that's what he brought into our broken world. And the reason why his resurrection's different is because when he ascended back to the, the kingdom of heaven, he didn't, that, that's not like he evaporated and like kind of went back into the abyss. Christians believe, and this is why his resurrection is different than Lazarus and other people that he raised, is we believe that he's still alive. And when we worship, we, we worship the ascended Christ right now. That's why it's so, very, it's so very important that when you hear like a preacher type get up here and start talking about God, and, and you sort of feel like we're just talking about him and that he's not here, you can sort of, you can sort of feel it sometimes that that's dishonoring to the actual good news that he came to bring into the world, that he is here because he ascended. By the Holy Spirit, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit teaches us about the Word. And so what we're here to do this morning is to re-examine what it is that we always claim in a church. Kathy Keller says that one of the striking things about the account here in Matthew is that, you know, Jesus, He could do anything. He's, he's the God of all creation. He did not need the angel to roll the stone away. But the reason why He did that 
was so that the, the women could go in and come and see where he lay, is what it says in the text. Jesus could appear through walls, and therefore the reason why, you know, this angel's kind of sitting like a recliner on this stone, and he's telling the Marys that, you know, Jesus isn't in here, but you, you're invited to come in and check it out yourself. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're, we're going to uh, see that the resurrection invites us to examination, it invites us to curiosity, and invites us to joy. So point one, the resurrection invites us to examination. You know, if you ask, if you ask Siri or if you Google the question, uh, did Jesus rise from the dead? Uh, you'll get various articles, some talking about the evidence of the resurrection and some talking about how it's a, a scientific impossibility. Um, but the best place to go uh, to, to answer that question for yourself is to the actual scriptures. Because the scriptures aren't merely like proving facts. They, they certainly do that. But the, the, Christian, the, the Christian faith believes that God actually speaks to you personally through these words. And not only that, he speaks to you in different ways throughout the course of your life as you gain a, a, a greater capability of taking in all of the goodness of God throughout the course of your life. And what begins to happen is that when you set out to examine the Scriptures, what you begin to realize is that the Scriptures are actually uh, examining you. They know you. And the reason why they know you is because they're listening to the human being's deepest heart's questions. There's this part in Psalm 40 where it says that God digs out, he digs out his ears to hear you. And you know when, when somebody actually does really hear you, it's a form of love. You can tell when somebody's actually listening to you. And it makes you want to express your heart. Uh, Dr. Carl Ellis says, The Bible covers every issue and concern that we face in life and is more than adequate to interrogate us. The scriptures are rich and they can take it. And so, I want to go back to the scriptures. I want to reread the first six verses of what Indra just read. And here's what I want us to, to believe. Uh, these are divine words. This is God actually, it's God actually speaking to you right now, to your heart, to all the pain that you will ever experience. He's speaking directly into that right now through these words. Listen again. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and he came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Here's why that's different than asking Siri if Jesus rose from the dead. Um, these women, think about you being these women. These women respond exactly how you and I would respond. They're sad. They, don't, they didn't believe that Jesus could be alive, and it's pretty simple. 
The reason why they didn't believe that he could be alive is because they literally saw him die. Okay? If you've ever seen anybody die, you know what that's like. And you don't go toying with people's emotions talking about them being alive again because they're not. And so as they approach the tomb, they are sad. They are deeply, deeply sad. And they're on autopilot, just like we all are with death, assuming that this is just the way that all things are going to go. And then you, in, you insert into their reality, into their autopilot brain, actually, he's alive. Um, LPS, Lincoln Public School, had a, uh, a, a teacher day where no students were supposed to be um, on the campus, and we didn't have it on our calendar for some reason, and so we, we got the kids up, breakfast, uh, got them ready for school, sent them to school. At no point did we recognize that there weren't like 20 cars in front of our house like every other day. We get to the parking lot, no school bus, literally zero cars in the parking lot, there are no, no students anywhere, no teachers, and then it finally dawns on us, like when we see that the door is locked, like, oh, uh, there's no one here, you know? And that's the way that these women are, and that's the way all of us are when it comes to death. That we're, we're just sort of on autopilot. That's why I love this angel, because he's just like, came, I imagine him just like chilling, you know, like eating an apple or something. I know that angels probably don't eat apples, but he's just like... Hey, y'all, he ain't here, you know. You can go in and check it out, but he's not in there. I know how you're thinking, and so go examine it for yourself. That's what verse 6 says. You, you know, Jesus had been telling everyone this was going to happen, but none of them saw it coming. None of them. And the reason why, and this is where we kind of need to drill down into our own hearts this morning, the reason why is because we're all preset to interpret the world and our emotions in a particular way. We are biased against hope. We're biased against it. And that's why the angel says, come and see for yourself. You can't just be told. You're not going to believe it just because I'm telling you. You have to actually go examine the scriptures yourself. What if you're in a place where you're like, I don't know if I trust my perception of reality. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and I would say that that's actually a step towards humility. It's the, right, it's the right direction. That's part of waking up, what we just sang. Um, I, I worked on a campus 12, 13 years ago that, that put out this study. We worked in sort of the religious department and the question that was sent to 1,300 students was, do you think the University of North Texas, the secular campus, do you think the University of North Texas is religious? Like, does it have a religious feel? And what was so interesting is that all of the students that said that they were non-religious or atheists, they said this, that this campus feels like the default setting is Christianity. And the Christian students said, we feel like this campus is way too secular. Okay, so you got two groups of people experiencing the same environment, the same circumstances in the same time coming to opposite conclusions. Who's right? Who's accurate? Look, y'all, th think about the gospel writers. This is why I love the scriptures. <laughs> the, 
they all agree on this one main fact. No one believed that resurrection was possible. Not even them. And they're, write, they're writing something that they, they want to, to be hope for the world. And wouldn't you think, you know, they want it to be reliable, right? Wouldn't you think that some gospel writer would be like, well, I mean, I, like I kind of knew, you know. The Marys kind of knew. Somebody knew. But we're biased to interpret reality. Even in our own judicial system, we have to have 12 people that sit on the jury, right? Because we know not one person sees reality in a holistic way. Now, the reason why the Gospels are different is because when Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to over 500 people. And then four, four of them wrote it down in great detail what happened. And they all agree upon this one fact. No one be- believed it was possible. And they changed their minds essentially overnight. Like that. How? It's because he showed up to him and he's still alive. It's different. And you're, you may be like, uh, okay, but like he didn't show up to me. I had a friend once, I was uh, explaining Christianity to him. He's like, Matt, just, just stop right there. You call me Denny Doubting Thomas. I don't believe it. <laughs> but what the scriptures are saying is that, look, um, even if you could physically grab Jesus like, like Thomas did, if you could stick your fingers in his side where he was poked through, every, every part of the New Testament says, 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1 literally says, the, the scriptures are more sure than if you could see the resurrected Christ. Jesus himself on the road to Emmaus as a resurrected person doesn't, doesn't tell these two disciples that, hey, I rose from the dead in, in physical form. What does he do? He takes to them to the scriptures. When he, when he rises from the dead and Mary clings to him in the gospel of John, what does he do? He says, don't cling to me, which must mean. And y'all, like, I struggle with this. I know everybody in this room struggles with this. What Jesus is saying is that the scriptures can bring you more comfort than his physical presence. This, what you have on your device, what you have in the pew, that this is actually, this can actually convince you more that Jesus rose from the dead than than seeing him with your own eyes. I'm sorry, but that's just nuts. Um, There's a part of me that scoffs at that. And that part of me that scoffs at that is what is going away into the nothingness. That it's, it's, bent, it's bent against hope. And that's what needs to go into the ground and die. Because if it does, what comes out is absolute joy. It's absolute joy. You know, in the Gospel of John, <laughs> when, Je- when Jesus rose from the dead, apparently, uh, he folded the grave clothes neatly and placed them on where he was laying. Now, why would he do that? He's inviting you to joy. Here's how Matthew puts it. Verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb, and with fear and great joy, 
ran to tell his disciples, and behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they'll see me. What he's doing is that he's inviting you into joy. He's inviting you into joy. He's inviting you to know that when you die, that's not it. And not only that, when you come out, you'll come out immortal. And that as true as the existence that you experience all the time, all the sin, all the pain, all the tension you have with other people, that the resurrection reality is far more sure than that. It's far more sure than your perception of reality. It's far more sure than your actual felt reality right now. That this is your future. And it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good that you don't even have categories to hope in this way. Will you be curious? Will you be at least curious in your heart to think, I, yeah, I would, I would sure like for something like that to be true. That's, you know, I think that's the Holy Spirit trying to like, you know, get, get at our hearts and just get in there just, just quickly, you know, and say, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm real. In here, I'm real. Your heart knows it. Let me in. Here's how all the Gospels read. Our whole life is going in a certain direction. Our whole life. And when Jesus rises from the dead, it's almost like somebody's skipping in the opposite direction that we're going. Starting with these women and then the disciples in sort of nonchalant, comical form. And what he's doing is he's saying, uh, be glad. That's what the word greetings mean. Be, be glad. Rejoice. Why are you sad? My son and I, uh, Lazarus, we like this dance called the gritty. You guys ever seen the gritty? It's like a joyful skip. Um, and it's, it looks especially cool when Ja Morant does it. You know, he's coming out and like, I can't, I can't do it. I don't like to dance in front of people, except my family. Um, as I was reading commentators and uh, ancient theologians, they... They all agreed on this one point. Jesus is doing the gritty on, on death. They all said it. This isn't just something that helps people get through their day, y'all. It's not just something that we pass on to our children. Because, oh, oh, it's good. Like, no, this is the whole point of, of it all. I don't know about you, but like, like if it's not true, I don't want to be teaching my children something that isn't true. What I want is what these women had. The greeting of Christ. Where he turns his face to you and he says, be glad. Be glad. Christianity is never about forcing you to feel something that you have to fabricate. And as you've seen throughout the course of the Gospel of Matthew, he, he will sit with you and honor your sadness in the deepest way that you need him to. But... At the right time, in the season when hope is offered to you in a way that you can actually hear it, you must be open to it. In the same way that if in the middle of your sadness you encounter somebody skipping through life in such a joyful fashion, would you allow yourself to at least be curious and examine that this is what we're all looking for? It really is. 
that he's the God of laughter and joy. Martin Luther said, we have as much laughter as we have faith. (laughs) We have as much laughter as we have faith. This Jesus is risen from the dead. He is the first fruits of what's to come for you. Believe it. The resurrection happened not just so that you would be raised, but so that you would believe in him, he tells Mary and Martha. And he is joy incarnate. He is the resurrection reality to come. We are all in seed form. And one day we won't be. And we get a picture of what that future reality looks like right here in this text. So let's pray. And as you watch these kids get these eggs, what you're going to see is a little bit of the gospel. Because as, as we get old, kids, we lose all the joy that like candy can bring us. That joy that candy brings us is part of Jesus, as we all know, you know, if we sit there and think about it. Um, and so uh, after I pray, Steve, Pastor Steve is going to come up here and lead us in confession insurance. We're going to sing, sing one song, and then I, ha- I do have a request. I'm going to reiterate what Chelsea said. Older kids, let the younger kids get some eggs, Okay. And make sure you don't get those eggs in the fenced-in area, all right? And uh, let's pray, and we'll continue to worship. Father, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you that you have come to bring us laughter and joy. And so that does not negate our, our sadness, but it does redeem it. It does transform it. Just like when a seed goes into the ground, it begins to transform and come out something totally different. Lord, help us to believe this, this reality that you installed into this world 2,000 years ago in such a beautiful way, such a hidden way. In Christ's name, amen.